Father God, we thank you so much uh, that uh, Ian could be with us today. Thank you for the Lancaster family, for your faithfulness to them, in and through them, uh, in Bista, at Town Church Bista. We bless you, Lord, for the friendship and the bonds uh, of fellowship and partnership in the gospel that go back a, a long way. And we pray now that you would speak powerfully uh, through Ian as he uh, brings to us the word that you've laid on his heart from this passage. Uh, open our our minds, our hearts, so that we could receive what you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pat, thank you uh, for your warm welcome. It is great to be back. It's a little bit weird, but it is good just to see you all kind of five, six years older uh, as you're looking at me thinking, cool, that boy is aged as well. We all do it, don't we? Uh, but it is good uh, to be back. Uh, it was about five and a half years ago we were making the final preparations to launch Town Church Bista. Uh, plant initially from here, but then supported by many churches around Oxford, where people who lived in Bicester were travelling to Oxford to go to church. There was a gap, there was a need uh, within Bicester, uh, and it was brilliant to be part of the eldership here for a couple of years uh, with the intention of planting uh, into Bicester. Uh, and things have been going okay. It's brilliant that we're in 1 Peter chapter 5, and you'll see there in the end of uh, Chapter 5 in verse 12, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. You'll know if you've been at Maudlin Church, Maudlin Road Church, that the grace of God is the centerpiece. And we're called to stand fast in the grace of God over the last five years at Town Church, of course, all the ups and the downs, all the highs and the lows of being a part of a church, as you all know. But it's timely that we come to 1 Peter chapter 5, and perhaps timely for you as a church in what might be an unsettling time, a period for many to, to read and to study, reflect on, on 1 Peter. God is good and God is gracious. God is providential in in the teaching of his word, in helping us uh, to understand him and then apply them to the times uh, that we're in. I hope that the whole of the series of 1 Peter has served as a wonderful reminder on many key issues or answers to the questions that we might have. Can't ever uh, avoid God's word and ourselves. We can't ever think that uh, there's God's word and it's abstract to who we are. We always want to bring God's word into our lives and the lives that we live. We don't want to uh, avoid that. And so perhaps at this time, uh, timely that 1 Peter speaks into key questions, big questions of life. Who are we? What do we have what has God done? What is God doing? Where are we going? It's good to remind ourselves of what has happened so far in 1 Peter. Um, chapter 1, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he writes, as you know, because you've heard this, you've been taught it. He writes to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. There are the two E's, and it's good to keep this in mind. Elect and exiles. Exiles, people that are not at home. People 
uh, who are permanently living in another place, but it's not their home, it's not their right home, it's not where they belong. Why aren't the people at home that Peter is writing to? Well, they've been scattered as the persecution started in Jerusalem, and so it has rolled out. And now the Christians are scattered all over these places. Timely for us as we think about the refugees in Ukraine, from Ukraine. It's been great to be able to, at Town Church, host two families. So two families at Town Church have been able to take Ukrainian refugees in, and they're coming along to Town Church. It's been great to hear their stories, and they've been warmly welcomed, and they feel as though they fit in, but they're not at home. They speak very fondly of life back in Ukraine, life how it used to be. This is who Peter is writing to. Those who have been scattered, they know that they're not at home. But he writes as well with the other E to those who are elect. So exiles and elect. Those who are chosen out. Those who are singled out. Those who have been chosen by God. Verse 2 explains it brilliantly. According to the foreknowledge of God, which is marvelous. By the work of the Spirit, which is incredible, to live for Jesus, to set apart. They've been elect by God, through God, for God. Not because of performance, not because of goodness, not because of qualities, not for your own gain, not for their own gain. They've been chosen. They're exiles. They're not at home. But they're elect. Great comfort, great assurance, as Peter writes to his people. I was waiting on Thursday for the moment the England squad was announced. I know Qatar, there's so much controversy uh, around it uh, and the whole tournament, but I'm quite excited for another World Cup and listening to the England squad announced, thinking, who's in? Who's not? Some make it, some left out. Do you see the encouragement that Peter is writing in the first verse of his letter? You've been chosen by God. Nothing of you or your own ability has brought you to the place you are now. You're his, by his goodness, by his grace. It's important that we get who Peter is writing to. This is just a reminder um, for you. And we know that this must be the case because we understand who the author is as well. Peter, in Mark 8, as Jesus said to him, you will all fall away. And Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. There's Peter, the author of the book, the letter. We know very well how the story ends, Peter disowned the Lord Jesus. Of course, Peter has not earned his place by performance, by his goodness. He knows that he's in exile, he's not at home. Not yet, not yet. But he knows he's elect. 
He knows he's been chosen by God. He knows he's been redeemed by the Lord Jesus, by his death. Peter's got this. He knows. He knows. And so he writes. He writes for us to continue to stand fast, stand firm in the grace of God that is so rich, that he knows so deeply. And just as we finish the the short intro, look at verse 3 of chapter 1, because here's how he sets up the rest of the letter. It's all about praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That's what we have now in Christ, a living hope. And so as he finishes his letter, as he draws it to a conclusion, chapter 5, at MRC, at Town Church in Bicester, what would Peter love to see? What would he love to see as his last remarks to those who are exiles, those who are elect, those who are scattered all over the place, those in Mullin Road Church, those in Town Church? What would he love to see us be like as a church? And I think there are three things in verses 1 to 4. He wants Mullin Road Church to be full of faithful leaders. In chapters five, sorry, in verses five to seven, he wants Moreland Road Church to be full of humble servants. In, chat, in verses eight to fourteen, he wants Moreland Road Church, town church in Bisted, to be full of steadfast believers who stand fast in the grace of God. That's where we're heading. So let's uh, dive in. Uh, in the beginning of uh, chapter five, uh, faithful leaders. Should we read this uh, section again, verses one to four? Peter, this is what he writes. Now listen, sorry, no, I'm in James chapter 5. <laughs> uh, 1 Peter uh, 5, verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. One shepherd, Peter. Two other shepherds. One who has been with Jesus and has seen the sufferings of Jesus from afar, yes, but has seen the sufferings of Jesus, and one now who is committed to the walk of a disciple, and one who has been given as an apostle, one who has been given responsibility to go and to teach others, to go and to help others see the good news of Jesus. What does Peter say to the elders here? Be shepherds, fulfill your duty. What does a shepherd do? Well, the shepherd is simply in charge of the sheep. The shepherd cares for the sheep. The shepherd watches over the sheep. The shepherd tends to the sheep. And you know, by doing that, the shepherd smells like the sheep. I've got a good friend. He's 
not quite a shepherd, I call them farmers uh, now, I guess. Uh, but there he is. And do you know when you shake his hand, he's such a good lad, big grin. But he smells of sheep and cattle. Now he knows that. He doesn't deny that. He doesn't shirk from that. He's quite okay with that. You see what Peter is saying here. If you're a, a shepherd, be shepherds of God's flock under your care. A shepherd will smell of the sheep. A shepherd will be part of the sheep. He'll be caring for the sheep. He'll be moving with the sheep. He'll be listening to the sheep, spending time with the sheep. He'll be smelling like the sheep. Why? Why be shepherds? Why look after the flock that is under your care? Well, it's not for dishonest gain. Ever. It's not for dishonest gain. Ever. It's driven by a willingness and an eagerness to serve. Fond memories of Morning World Church, being part of the eldership. See Dan Blanche is back, being part of the eldership with him and Charlie and Pat. Looked on the website uh, last night. Have Dan and great to meet Phil. Matt Hutchins, he was just doing, not just, but he was doing the children's talks when I was here. Now he's an elder of the flock. Charlie has been a part of Morning Road Church since 2003, I read on the website. Still here, looking after the sheep. Andrew, I haven't seen Andrew. Is he here today? No, he's not. He could retire. Perhaps he should retire, but not Andrew, because he cares for the sheep. He's a part of the flock. He tends for you. He watches over you. I know he prays dearly for you. This is good timing for us at Morning Road Church, for us at Town Church. And perhaps a crossroads for you when it comes to shepherds. Do pray for your shepherds. Do pray for Dan now as he works out what next. Do pray for the eldership. Do pray for them as they, as they do what? As they continue to be shepherds of God's flock, watching over you. Not because they must, but because they're willing. We'll see later that the devil is always, always always prowling. He's always tempting them to do the opposite of what Peter is imploring them to do. Just to share no care for the flock, show no care for the flock, to do it all in dishonest gain, uh, with disunity and distortion in mind, but, but not a true shepherd, not your true elders. And you see there in verse 4, when the chief shepherd appears, the elders... The shepherds, those who watch over God's people, they will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So dear elders of Morlin Road Church, keep on. That is something to look forward to. Keep loving, keep serving. Tough times, good times, joyful times. Keep on. You see, Peter is speaking directly to faithful leaders, to the elders. Keep going. Keep on. Stand firm in God's grace. 
And in verses 5 to 7, Peter would be saying, look, I'd love to see a church, Morning Road Church, full of humble servants. So we come from the elders in verse 5 to now the, the, those who are younger and then to all of you. You see there in verse 5, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards another, one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Clothe yourself, humble servants. Put on, as you clothe yourself this morning to wear the clothes that you're wearing for church. So, Peter's saying, put on, clothe yourself, be proactive, be intentional in putting on humility. Because pride says, I can do whatever life throws at me. Whatever life deals at me, I can do. But life says otherwise. That's why Peter says, be humble, because he knows that the proud simply say, I can do this. And Peter knows that he can't, because he hasn't been able to. So it's all from experience when Peter says, no, clothe yourself with humility. Be the opposite of me. In Mark chapter 8, says Peter, clothe yourself with humility. If you think you can do life, if you think you can do whatever life throws at you, We'll think again, because life says otherwise. When we least expect it, the broken down car at the most inconvenient moment, you can't do life. You're not in control. The COVID outbreak was the best reminder that we are not in charge or in control. Peter says, humble yourselves. The exam question that you did not revise for, but you thought you knew exactly what would be in the exam paper. You're not in control. You're not in charge. The rejection from a friend, when you least expected it, out of control, you're not in charge. Uh, Humble yourself. Clothe yourself with humility. The phone call this morning that we got from another church member where the wife is very poorly, been taken into A&E and Kerry. Therefore, as late as she looked after the children, we had a good plan to come here and to, uh, to be with you, and she managed to be able to. We're not in charge. When I think I'm in control, in charge, that's pride. Peter's saying, humble yourself. I cannot control life. It's like me trying to fly a jumbo jet aeroplane, and the pilot says, go on, Lanks, have a go. Landed into Heathrow Terminal. Perhaps with glee, my eyes would be wide open. I go, God, I've got this. What, five seconds sat in that seat, looking at all those controls, turning to the pilot and saying, I have not got this. No, absolutely no chance. I'm not even going to pretend that I've got this. Controls over to you. This is what Peter is saying, being humble is. Clothe yourselves with humility. You're not in charge. Humble yourself. And this is not saying that you're completely useless. This isn't looking in the mirror and going, I'm rubbish. It's not that. It's about being honest. You can't do the things that are not in your control, the things that you worry about. Humble yourself, says Peter. Hand over the controls. To the one who is mighty, the one who has 
full control. The one who tells the sun to rise and the sun to set. He's in charge. He's in charge. You see where Peter goes now and there'll be perhaps famous verses to us. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. That he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. See, the humble amongst you will be speaking to God regularly. Not because you have to or ought to, but because you know of your position and you know of his. And you know you have to clothe yourself with humility. And you perhaps know that your tendency is to take everything in your stride and to think that you're in charge. And so the humble amongst you will be praying regularly. Town Church, we have a Friday morning prayer breakfast. We stole it from Morling Road Church on the Thursday morning breakfast. And I remember with fondness in the Thursday mornings that I was able to, and Kerry, um, at times we both went because we didn't have children. And there were the faithful few there. And it was a joy. You see what Peter's saying? If you, if you understand yourself, if you're humble and clothe yourself, do, do you know what you'll be doing? You'll be casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know that you can't deal with your worries. You're out of control. He's in control. And so you'll be praying regularly to the one who's got you, the one whose hand is mighty. And it's a joy to say that on Friday mornings, again, there's a small group, faithful few, that just come and pray together. Here's one example of us as a church trying to clothe ourselves with humility. Can I urge you to continue to do that? See Peter Lever right in front of me. He was the stalwart of those Thursday morning prayer meetings. I hope he still is. I don't know if you are, Peter. You are. You're nodding your head. Good man. Humble yourselves. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Peter is saying he'd love to see Morley Road Church full of faithful leaders and secondly, full of humble servants. And lastly, from verse 8, would Morden Road Church be full of steadfast believers? Be alert and of sober mind, he said in verse 8, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Be alert. Be steadfast. Be of sober mind. You have got an enemy. Your enemy is real. Don't pretend he's not. And do you know what your enemy is like? He's not weak. And he's not feeble. He's like a, a, a roaring lion. A few years ago, Kerry and myself had opportunity to go and see my brother. He's a missionary in Tanzania. We had a few days on safari, which was awesome. I'll never forget the time. 1.52 a.m. It's in my memory. 1.52 a.m. The blood curdling from deep inside 
roar of a lion, not far off. A roar that, of course, I can't do, but I was about to attempt to try and roar like a lion. <laughs> we spoke to uh, the people uh, who... Who, look, who were looking after us and said, it seems so close. And they said, no, maybe a couple, of, a couple of miles away. Incredible, the roar of a prowling lion. And it sent shivers through our spines. Made us sit up, bolt upright in bed. There's a lion outside. See what Peter is saying about your enemy? You see what he's like? He's prowling around like a, a, a roaring lion. It's not even a lion who's just wandering around. He's, he's roaring. He's ready to attack. Be alert. Be ready. Because you know that the devil will come and has come and always has from Genesis 3. As we can see it from written in God's word. He's always been about stealing. He's always been about killing. He's always been about destroying. This is what the devil does. And so Peter's saying, have a clear mind. Be sober. Don't be intoxicated. Don't be caught up on things that do not matter. Think clearly. Talk about such matters. Verse 9, he says, resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. There's the devil. He's having a go there and there. And all he's trying to do all the time is steal, kill, destroy what is good. That is what the devil is in the business of doing. Don't think he's doing anything else. And he's like a roaring lion. Peter says, stand firm. Stand firm in what? Stand firm in my ability. Stand firm in, in my status. Stand firm in my job. Stand firm within my family unit. Stand firm within my title. No, stand firm in your faith. It's not how much faith you have or how little you have. It's what your faith is in. That's what faith is. Some of you might be coming to Morning Road Church thinking, I've just got a tiny amount of faith or I don't even have faith. I don't trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what makes you a Christian. That is all that makes you a Christian. Here's Peter, the one that disowned Jesus. Faith is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what makes you a Christian. Now, the strength of your faith is in what your faith is in, not how much you have. Peter's saying, stand firm in what you trust. That the Lord Jesus Christ went to the ends of the earth for you to bring you back to his Father God. The family of believers... Stand firm with others. You're not on your own. Town Church down the road, Morley Road Church, Woodstock Road, other churches in Oxford, and further afield. Those that believe the same thing, that trust Jesus for forgiveness of sins. And do you know on the, the last count, globally, over 245 million Christians face high levels of persecution? And it, unbelievable figure 
And Peter's saying, look, look, as exiles and those who are elect and those who have been scattered, stand firm. Stand firm, Magdalene Road Church, with those who are undergoing persecution now. Stand firm, what? In? Not in what you've become in terms of your approach and your standing and how good you're doing and your performance as Christians. Stand firm in what you trust. Stand firm in your new identity. Be unshaken, immovable. Rico Tice said these words, helpful. When we know we are the children of God, we don't fear the rejection of others. Why? Because we're loved by the creator of the world. We don't fear the mockery of those who pass insult. Because the maker of the cosmos thinks well of us. We don't fear their withholding of a favor or a promotion or anything else. We're heading to glory. Peter starts to wrap it up in verse 10. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. It's not about you. It's all about what has been done. It's all about him. And you'll see what he will do. You'll see that. God of all grace, he's called you. You're elect, you're chosen, you're called, you're loved. And in Christ, you have everything in Jesus. You're right before God because of him. He lives in you by his spirit. You see what he is doing? He's restoring you and he's making you strong and he enables you to stand firm and he is your steadfastness. And it takes Peter to praise, verse 11, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. He can't help but praise. Timely for me, Town Church, timely, I hope, for you all at Magdalene Road Church. What does Peter want? What would he love to see? He would love to see a church full of faithful leaders. Not because they ought to, but because they're willing. Peter is writing because he would love to see churches that have full of humble servants. Those who know what it looks like to put on humility. Those who get that they need to come before Christ every day. Those who know that it's not worth holding those anxieties to themselves, but to pray because they know that he's far greater who will take their anxieties from them and look after them. And Peter would love to see churches, love to see Magdalene Road Church, full of steadfast believers, being alert, sober mind, knowing that the devil is real, that the devil is prowling like a lion. And yet standing firm, what? What in themselves, their ability, their appearance, their performance? No. No. The true grace of God, verse 12. Stand fast in it. And Peter wraps up with the help of Silas and she who is in Babylon, another believer 
and Mark greet one another with a holy kiss. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. As we finish, as we wrap up, I I wonder where God, through his word, is speaking to you. Faithful leader, a, a, a humble servant, one that continues to clothe yourself in humility. Or just to hang in there as a steadfast believer to keep trusting on what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ, to keep looking to him. To keep praying to him. To keep walking together. To keep coming to Maudlin Road Church. Not because you have to. And even though it's hard and a struggle and Sunday mornings are tough. But because you know you need to remain steadfast. You need other believers walking with you. Looking after you. Speaking into life. Directing you here. Helping you there. This is together. This is who Peter speaks to. Not an individual but to those who are scattered, those who are not yet at home. But one day we will be. But those who are chosen by the king of the world, you and I, not because we deserve it, no, 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 not one bit, but because he loves us deeply. His grace is great. Stand fast in it. Let me pray and I'll hand over to you. Father, your word is rich. Chapter 5 of 1 Peter, there's so much in it. Would we not miss the wood for the trees? Would you speak to us on a particular issue? Drive it home into our hearts as we reflect on the words of your servant, 1 Peter. Father, would we as individuals and as a church be those who stand fast, hold firm to the grace of God. Would we be that church? Whatever the devil throws at us, we know he's real. Father, help us to cling to you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.